What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had, uh, buying parts from anybody before, and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, all of our Taco Moto co-branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty, and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM, and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and nose meets uh, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. In this week's show, we talk about handlebar height, adventure bike versus dual sport, twisting the throttle for more power, the new Yamaha Tenere 700, and when weight is good and why someone would run two GPS units. Also, Bob falls asleep, so you'll have to listen to this show. Live from Pahrump, this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is episode number 63. Can't believe we've been doing it for that long. This is the show where we answer your motorcycle and dirt bike product related questions. My name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm from uh, Dirt Bike Test, um, formerly from Dirt Rider, formerly from Cycle World, and formerly just a intern at Dirt Bike Magazine. So I have a little bit of a history doing this stuff. Uh, I used to race motorcycles. I'm washed up at that. And uh, got a couple questions here. If you wonder how your questions get on the show, it's actually pretty simple. You um, you buy me tacos like Victor did tonight. So I'd like to thank Victor, who's always in our chat room, for sponsoring the tacos. Hopefully he's out of Facebook jail and uh, he can comment. But uh, Victor, the uh, tacos were awesome. Janie delivered them over here. Um uh, yeah, if you deliver us tacos, then we go straight to your question first. Otherwise, you just have to wait. But where the questions come from? They come from posts we put up on Facebook in reference to this uh, live show that we do uh, that is live on Facebook every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. when I feel like doing it. Um, you can also post them on the YouTube video that we put up. Uh, usually it's uh, put up a couple days after this. And then we also upload this to a podcast. But if you are looking for episodes about 50 and on, you'll notice they're not there because the sponsor that was going to pay to have those uploaded has not sponsored the uploading process. So I'm very um, unmotivated at this point to uh, get those up there. So if you know a sponsor that wants to buy those episodes... Uh, they'll live in, what's a good word for that? Forever. Perpetuity. Yeah. Um, remember, I went to college. I studied, communica- studied communication arts, and so it was the path of least resistance. Anyways, if you want to buy those episodes, uh, you will sponsor those episodes. There'll be a pre-read and a post-read on those. Just let me know. Um, 
we can get them up there really quick. Um, my crack technical staff, which is the same guy that's my janitor, the same guy that ships out your T-shirts, the same guy that tests the motorcycles, it's the same guy who's in most of the photos, uh, except for Trevor. It's it's me. I'll get I'll get right on it. So, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for joining live. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this. Um, that's really the key to this. We have to get more ears and eyeballs on this. So feel free to and you know do those watch parties like Victor did. Um, and uh, you can, you know, help support what we're doing here. Uh, tonight's tequila also brought to you by Victor. Now, this is an old bottle. Uh, yeah, on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, sometimes we um, have... This is Centenario tequila that he brought back from Mexico, and the bottle says seventeen ninety five, but that doesn't mean that um, seventeen ninety five is really when it was from. It actually has a plastic caps that's a little bit of a giveaway but um we gotta bob we gotta make sure we're quiet in the uh, infield here because you are you want to be a co-host i kind of want you to you look beautiful you bob is wearing rubber gloves he left his tinfoil hat at home and he's wearing a mask um because he's still scared of that disease but uh, you can't talk out uh out loud because nobody really wants to hear what you have to say, uh, you have to start the Mojave Bob um, live and prompt podcast. So, okay, we're going to get right to it. Um, this show is brought to you by a couple people. Uh, it's brought to you by Climb. Uh, Climb makes really good off-road riding gear. Uh, I think it's the best. There's lots of good riding gear choices out there. Um, but uh, I was wearing the Baja Adventure gear uh, when I tested the new Yamaha Tenere. And it's like air-conditioned riding gear. It sounded like the roof was going to collapse there. Yeah, something. Yeah, we have an earthquake again. We had earthquakes the other day. Yeah, um, yeah. So I wore the uh, Baja Adventure gear. Of course, they 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 said Jimmy, you're looking a little fat, so they sent it in a little bit larger size than I'm accustomed to. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, climb stuff right now in the in the adventure stuff is running just a little bit on the on the large size. So uh, kind of pay attention if you're ordering. So if you're if you're in between, go lower. Uh, that's what I should have done. I should have done the um, the I should have done the uh, large as opposed to the extra large. Or maybe it was ordered for me. I don't really know. And by KTM. So KTM, by the way, the KTM Adventure Rider Rally was officially canceled this week, which is a bummer to me because that's. Um, one of the events I really look forward to going to. And uh, so I'm wearing that hat, that Adventure Rider hat, uh, rally hat. And uh, But KTM is powered by a distinct ready-to-race mentality. KTM is the world's leading high-performance street and off-road sport motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world and... The brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes. Okay, on with the show, right? <laughs> um, question number one. Uh, actually, speaking of climb, we did um, a thing where I showed you what was in my backpack that I wear when I'm riding. So... Uh, everybody was always asking me, Jimmy, what do you carry when you ride? What tools do you carry? What do you have in your backpack? So 
also from Climb, Lucas uh, Eddy also did one. Uh, it's up on their website. Ours is on our website. Ours is in a post. And we want you to show us what you have in your backpack and do a little video about it. So it's show climb your junk is the hashtag. So if you want to uh, win a backpack, uh, actually a new climb arsenal vest, which is pretty awesome. Actually, I'm thinking about switching out of the out of the uh, the knack pack back over to the arsenal vest. Uh, if you're thinking about that, um, you want to get a head start. You want to know what you should be carrying. Um, go ahead and. Uh, Check that video out. Check that post out on Dirt Bike Test and submit your entries. We're going to, you only got about another week or so to do it uh, before we pick somebody. And we're going to do a little vote and a contest. And right now, I think if you, if you did one, you might win. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been following the social medias to check on it. But uh, yeah. So on that post, on my backpack thing, uh, Rob C. Dillon says, a friend of mine gave me a tip. Use your trail tools in the garage to make sure that your set is complete and become familiar with using those tools. This has saved me by making sure what I f when I fit accessories, I also end up with whatever odd-sized Torx bit they use in my beloved Motion Pro trail tool pouch. So, uh, yeah, Rob, that's a great idea. I do that um, on occasion. I will especially if I'm planning on going on a longer ride on a bike I'm not familiar with, I try to work on it out of my uh, pack. And that, um, yeah, for the same reason. And, yeah, odd-sized Torx bits. Yeah, I lo love love that. Actually, the good thing about the Torx bits is you can kind of carry like three or four of them that slide into an adapter and uh, get, away with, get away with that. Uh, Clay D. Royan says... Jimmy, thanks for the great videos. The two things I carry are a mini test light and a small piece of fuel hose. I don't really carry the test light too much. Um, I have carried, um, when I've had electrical problems, I'm diagnosing electrical problems, I've carried a, you know, a multimeter. Uh, and generally there's a piece of fuel hose someplace in my pack. It wasn't in the one that I unpacked for you live, but... Uh, um, there was another pack, and, I, and, and I'm surprised people haven't commented on it yet. I they said they didn't ask why. Well, they did. I'll get to that. Somebody said, "Why don't I carry any tire tools?" And it's because I generally run moose, and I don't have tire issues, so I don't have to remove the wheels, which are big wrenches and stuff. But in that pack where I have my tire tools, I also have a, a strand of fuel hose, and it actually has the fuel injection um, uh, clamps, the, the 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 quick connects on both sides. So if I need to pump fuel out of a tank, I can do that. Or if I need to drain it out of something, I can do that. Um, and then in the odd uh, instances that those break, I have those two pieces as well. Moto Funk says, I have a first generation knack pack. I'm able to fit one gallon roto pack fuel can in the main storage compartment. Oh, that's the big knack pack. If you're doing that. Uh, the pack has a water bladder in a separate area, so it might not work on the new pack. Not that I want to find out, but in a crash, a gas bladder may not hold up as well. <laughs> uh, yes, it has a bit more weight than the bladder, but not enough to notice uh, when full or empty. I don't want something big and plastic and heavy on my back. Um, I would rather have the, the fuel bladder, which that fuel bladder, I just showed you the giant loop one, the 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 bag, the outer bag, 
is like a really strong netting. So I think, um, I'm sure if you hit it hard enough, anything would explode, but I'm pretty sure that, that it's, that it's tied up, um, well enough to where it's going to, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be a lot stronger than a camelback and I've crashed a lot on my back and the camelbacks don't explode. So maybe, uh, yeah, something to consider. Uh, like I said, it's expensive, and there's probably a reason for it being expensive. There's probably a lot of liability with it, and I think it's pretty well built. So, um, and uh, TK Moto says, besides the pump, I don't see any other tire-related tools. I assume you carry that stuff on a bigger ride. And yes, that's correct. I do carry um, tire irons. Even when I'm running mooses, I will carry tire irons on longer, longer rides. And the tire irons are usually Motion Pro ones that have the axle wrench built in. And um, that way, that that other pack, I usually carry it on the bike because I don't want to carry that heavy stuff on my body. Um, if that makes sense to you, that's uh, what I do. But yeah, that's where my bigger tools are at. And I should probably dig that um, pack out of the sides of one of my motorcycles uh, one of these days and... Uh, dig through it and show you what I have in there. Next question. Um, let's see. Rich B says, oh, Rich B sent two questions. I have been considering changing the exhaust on my stock CRF 250, CRF250X in search of more power and throttle response, but I went trail riding with it last weekend and I worked on turning the throttle farther and holding it on longer. After a while, I was amazed at how well the bike performed. At times, it pulled away from bikes with larger motors. It works so well that I'm reluctant to change it. <laughs> um, advice well taken. Yeah. Did, any, did everybody hear that? Nobody heard that. I guarantee you that that just went in one ear and out the other, and everybody's like, so what exhaust should he get? Uh, I, I don't have an exhaust sponsor, so I'm not going to answer that question. Um yeah, it's amazing how that twisting the throttle works. It 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 actually it kind of does work. Uh, and Rich has another one. He says on today's T four Tuesday, can you discuss? Actually, it'd be T three Tuesday, Rich, just to correct you, because it'd be Tech Talk Taco then Tuesday. Uh, you discuss bar height for trail riding. It seems the taller bars, the easier it is to stand up. The more I stand up, the better I can drive through the bumps. The more upright I am, the easier it is on my knees. What is too tall? <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me put on my uh, riding coach hat here. Where's my Jimmy Lewis off-road training hat? I'll just go put that put that on. Um, there is a point where you start raising up bars, and it has you leaning back, not forward. So you think about when you're riding, and, and you can watch any kind of good rider, and they will be leaning forward. And the reason is, is they're going faster, they're accelerating, and that's the most balanced position they can be in. They're not hanging onto the handlebars, they're leaning forward and falling into the bike and then allowing the acceleration to pick them back up. I hope that makes sense to you. So when you start getting taller and taller bars, and I jokingly have a saying, there's something going around called uh, everybody's drinking this Adventure Rider Kool-Aid, where a lot of the Adventure bikes did come with lower bars that were more uh, set up for a, seat, a seated position. And then you go to stand up and you start thinking that your bars are low. Well, they're also pretty far in front of you uh, from a standing perspective, so they, they 
they seemed low. But if you're riding more aggressively, and you're not worried, you know, you're not worried about. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to it. But you know, adventure bikes have bigger tanks and all this different things. But on the dirt bikes, you can get really far forward. So a lot of times, a taller bar is going to start pushing you back farther and farther on the bike. It's bad. So don't get carried away with going taller. I don't think it necessarily makes it easier for you to stand up because if you're using the handlebar to to pull yourself up, you're doing it wrong. You should be standing up using your legs, not pulling or pushing on the handlebar. So don't take that into consideration. Um, and then when you bend, most riders, most novice riders tend to bend at the knees, not at the hips. So so they squat, they end up putting themselves in this squat. So they're, they're bending at the knees and the hips just to stay so they can handle the handlebars. And you think about it, as the bars get higher, you're going to have to, you're going to, you don't, they're not comfortable standing up, so they squat at the knees, and then they bend at the hips, and they're really out of position. So don't think that high bars are the answer um, to everything. But if you really want to be in control on your bike and you really want to be comfortable going fast, you want to be standing up on the motorcycle. That's a given. So, But you do not, when you stand up, you are not hanging onto the handlebars as if they are a push-up or a pull-up bar. You want to be balanced on your feet. So you have to anticipate what the bike's going to do, whether it's speeding up or slowing down. So, you know, when you're practicing twisting that throttle, you want to make sure that when you start, right before you start to twist that throttle, you want to lean forward and uh, control the bike. Don't hang on to the handlebars. Um, So there's a, there's a lot to it and everybody rides a little bit different. Um, So for for most riders, most average size riders, stock handlebar height is generally pretty good. But I adjust mine in five and ten millimeter increments with risers and different bar bends, depending on the type of riding I'm doing. So it does make uh, does make a difference. So hopefully, uh, yeah, we get get to that. Rich, uh, thanks for asking the questions. Um, we're gonna move. I'm gonna go into the chat room and see what we got here. Uh, do we have any questions come up in there? Didn't anybody see any any good ones? That's not a good idea. Oh. Carrying <laughs> beer and tequila in the packs not not a not a good idea. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, are we having technical issues? I don't think we're having technical issues. Um, so maybe you're having, uh, technical issues. We have perfect internets out here at least 70% of the time. (laughs) So I'll keep going back in the questions on our KTM 390 video. Arnaud Wasineni says, great review. Let's hope Kawasaki will launch the new versus 400 soon. Um, don't know anything about it. I, I actually need to go ride a versus 300. I, I have I have not rode that motorcycle, and a lot of people are comparing it to the KTM. I know they sure look like the designer <laughs> was from the same uh, area code, but probably not. Uh, Danny B1954. He's going to give me his his specs. 176 kilograms, 387 pounds. That is more than a Suzuki DR650. 
uh, which is 166 kilograms and 366 pounds. The DR is often considered a bit heavy for dirt. The Royal Enfield is another 400cc bike from India. It weighs 194 kilograms or 426 pounds. Are they using lead for the frames in India? Um, <laughs> I don't think the KTM frame is made of lead. I have no experience with the Royal Enfield. And the Suzuki is made in Japan, as far as I know. And so it's 20 pounds lighter than the than the than the KTM, but it, it's not really uh, it's it's kind of it has a dual sport bike, and when you kind of move over into the adventure thing, they they do gain some weight. I I don't I don't think they're using lead for the frames, but I know they're making them heavy. They're making a lot of stuff heavy on on those bikes. They're they're I'd have to I'd have to say that it's just a lot less expensive to manufacture the parts in with the with less concern for weight. Um, you know, when you start getting light and you can ask anybody that races things at high levels, bicycles, formula one cars, things like that. Um, less weight gets very, very expensive, almost exponentially. And so they're probably just using what they can and, uh, the materials. And there's another thing I've learned about, uh, beginner, um, not beginner, but entry level motorcycles. Extra weight is not necessarily a bad thing unless you're picking it up. That weight adds a certain amount of stability and it gives the bike a more planted feel. And it, it makes, and, and then when the rider is kind of not so comfortable, they're jerky and they're moving around, it takes more effort on the rider's part to knock the motorcycle like out of line. So in that market, weight isn't as bad as you would think. Um, once you're riding or when you're not picking it up. Now, when you're looking at a spec sheet and when you're thinking about performance and when you're asking questions on this show, yeah, weight is a bad thing then. But for just riding it, and that's why I always talk about what the bike feels like in relation to what the scale says. Uh, so, yeah, big uh, big difference sometimes. Uh, Google Limp says, wow, sorry, but that was just so boring I have quite watched because you're kind of boring. I quite watching. He quite watched. He, you quite should have watched it more attentionly, allegedly, because Google Limp. Um, I'm sorry I wasted your time. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of boring. I think so too sometimes. Uh, on the tour of Idaho, what brand? Is the headlight shroud on the bike you rode on the Tour of Idaho, please? Um, Lee. That is a Baja Design Squadron Pro inside of a stock KTM headlight shell. It's a really good light setup. Like, really, really, really good. Um, David H., great video, great adventure. Why do you have two trail techs on your bike in the Tour of Idaho? Oh, man, that's probably the most asked question I get on that video. Uh, because I have two eyes and I wanted to look at each screen with one eye individually, like kind of like glasses, sort of. Does that make sense? No, no. <laughs> because a couple of reasons. Um, I ran the maps and they're not really maps. They're just track logs, uh, in two different zoom levels. So one was zoomed in close and one was zoomed out far away. So I could kind of see 
where I was going, one I paid attention to as I got closer to things, one was giving me more of a global perspective. And on those Voyagers, they're standard Voyagers, not the Voyager Pros, you don't have any maps inside of them. So you have to kind of look at that line and say, okay, that's a mile and a half before it turns. And you can look ahead of you and say, that's a mile and a half. And oh, look, you know, that canyon kind of ends there and I can go that direction. And when you're looking at the one that's like set to, you know, 300, 400 feet, 250 feet, that's the one you look at to identify exactly where the turn is. Uh, It was also done for redundancy in case one uh, had a problem, for instance. So that's the, uh, it's just, uh, and they don't take up any extra space in the barn. It all works. So that's the reason for that one. Any other questions going across the room? I don't, you notice I don't have any co-hosts tonight. Not, I'm, 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 uh, they, they just vaporize around here. <laughs> it's, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm, qu- I'm done hurting cats. That's my, that's my thing. Got one out of the room. Any, I have not ridden the new Africa Twin. We have one in our in dirt bike tests tests possession, so I don't know anything about that other than what I've been told, and I refrain from commenting until I actually ride it. So, if you want to know about the T7, quick thoughts, um, just uh, watch the video we put up. Uh, go to dirtbiketest.com. It's the main uh, image on the header, or if you're listening to this later, just search dirtbiketest.com. Tenere 700, and you can see that video, and that's what I really think. Um, but I was going to answer more uh, specific questions after you've watched that because um, there's a reason why I put those uh, there's a reason why I put those videos and stuff up, so I don't have to say it over and over again. I think Is that that's a good reason, isn't it? <laughs> that's why I put on that one. Ask ask me what you really think because I already said it. Uh, on the KTM 300 video, David Jones says, really appreciate this review. 100% comprehensive and zero fluff. I find that some reviews are tailored toward the quirks and specifics of the individual test rider, which can be misleading and a huge disservice to the manufacturer. Oh, I tend to agree. <laughs> if reviews are based solely on the submodel, the platform, and the intent of the manufacturer, it lends to credibility to the overall review. I'd have to read that sentence a couple more times to get it. And please, uh, people are going to hate me for this. I, that's that's what he said. But no dirt bike giveaways. <laughs> so um, I'll talk about this for a few minutes, <laughs> David Jones. Thanks for thanks for writing in. Um, I, I I hate having to watch a lot of the other reviews of certain. Um, you know, bikes and stuff like now I'm kind of watching some of the Tenere ones and I just, Oh geez, I want to, <laughs> I don't want to read the spec sheet. Yamaha has a really good website where they, they put all the specs up there. Um, they actually do some pretty good marketing of the features that they would like to tell you about. But what you don't get to do after you read all that is get to ride the bike yourself. I'm lucky because as an invited journalist in the media, I get to go ride that bike. My job is to tell you how that bike works. And a lot of these guys, there's, there's two different, there's two fields here. There's guys that really don't have any feel for the bike, or they don't even know exactly what they're riding, or they don't know what it's for. 
and they hop on it and they go ride it and then they start regurgitating the spec sheet or they regurgitate the information that's provided in the press kit. I tend not to do that. If there's something that's interesting, innovative, new, different, I want to talk about it and I want to discuss how it works, compare it to other things that are like that. But a lot of times, and and th- there's other group that just that just wants to talk about how, especially when it's an entry-level bike or something, it's like there's so much better than this bike or this bike isn't really for for me because I'm this, I'm a motocrosser or I'm a, you know, round the world adventure rider. And therefore this doesn't apply to me. It's not set up specifically for me. And they kind of forget that the manufacturers are trying to sell as many of those bikes as possible to the intended market. So it, no, it's not set up for you specific special guy. That's way better than everybody else at your thing. Cause you're a journalist and you're, you're this thing. You, you've got to kind of, You've got to, you know, evaluate these vehicles in in the in the arena they're designed to perform in. Motocross bikes and motocross tracks. Don't take motocross bikes out and go off road and say the suspension's too stiff. We all know that. That's that's a given. Off road bikes and off road riding, you know, and then and then if your off road riding entails something, and that's why we try to test in both desert and more mountain single track technical terrains because there's lots of different places to ride bikes adventure bikes need to be used for adventure bike riding um you know sure riding it unloaded like we did on the t7 for instance unloaded on a more sporty aggressive ride a lot of people will ride the bike like that but a lot of people are going to load it for with luggage and stuff and so i intend to get my hands on that bike and put some luggage on it and go use it like it's intended to um it's it's kind of difficult when I watched little reviews and things like that where you just go, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's just going through the motions. He went to an intro and he has to regurgitate some stuff, some things. So we try to be a little bit more expert about that. And and that'll bring me to another question I know that somebody asked. And it's basically, how come I'm not comparing that bike to other bikes already? Um, In my head, I have. In my head, I remember when I rode the KTM 790. And in my head, I remember when I rode a KLR 650. I remember when I rode my KTM 1190 to the event where I rode the Yamaha Tenere. So I have a background and some experience. And I understand that the tires that are on it are one way. And I would put different tires on it. But it doesn't mean I'm going to discount that bike for the tires that came with it. Because they, they spec them a certain way. But we are dirt bike tests, so we like to put you know more knobby tires on things. That's just what we do when we get something that that is set up a certain way. So uh, yeah, um, if <laughs> dirt bike giveaways, <laughs> I, I, anybody? I got. Do I get? Five, I should wave a five dollar bill around and say you can win. I don't have anything for you to win. <laughs> There's a taco. You can win a taco if you can get down here. You can win the taco that's left over. Thanks, Victor. You're sponsoring the new taco giveaway at uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Um, on our KTM 350, Duncan Forever says, most buyers will skip right past the 350 on their way to the 500, which is too bad. The 350 is a far better dirt bike. Uh, again, it depends. It really, really depends on what you are looking for um 
It depends on where you're riding, what you're going to do with it. I always say that the, 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 the go-to between those two bikes is if you like to rev a bike, you will like the 350 more than you like the 500. If you like to torque and chug, you will like the 500 more than the 350. Unless you're getting really old and you have COVID maybe because you're wearing a mask here. And you're like, Bob, who's asleep? I put him to sleep, didn't I? Right on. Tech Talk Taco Tuesday <laughs> wins. <laughs> That's I was picking on you, Bob. You're going to have to watch the show now. Yeah. So, um, but Bob actually went and bought a KTM 350 over the 500 because um, uh, why did you do that? He's that trying out. to wake up to figure that out now. No, I have figured it out now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, lots of, uh, there, that's, that's good that there's options, but, um, and, and okay, and here goes right back to that other thing when we're talking about, it, you know, journalists. How come you guys go to these intros and all you ever say is like good stuff about the bikes? Because the bikes are really good. Most of the stuff that we ride is actually really, really good. When I find something to complain about, and on the T7, the Tenere 700, I complain about the foot pegs because they stuck out like a sore thumb to me because everything else in the bike was so good that I could, you know, I could pick on the foot pegs. I don't like the stock seat. It's too low. I like the taller one. Uh, what else did I like about that bike? I would like different tires, but those tires, like we talked about in the video, if nothing's going wrong, they're just fine. Um, I think that a different tire might have a little bit better bump compliance, but I know they were durable because we rode on a lot of rocks and there were no flat tires in the whole the whole group. So that's a that's a good thing. But these days the bikes are just really good. So it's it you you kind of have to pick. You know, you really have to pick apart stuff. I mean, if there's anything else I can complain about, I I I feel like that maybe the the ABS is not as top flight as some of the other ABS um, systems. When I ride off-road, I don't run ABS, so it didn't really affect me. Same thing with the seat. If I was riding off-road, I'd be standing up, so that low seat wouldn't really bother me too much because I never sit down. The foot pegs, yes, they bother me. The whole time I was riding, I was worried about my feet sliding off the foot pegs. Uh, and I took the rubber little dealy bobs out. I literally, right when we left, I, I took those suckers out because uh, the bike doesn't vibrate, so it's not an issue. Um, maybe, you know, maybe I could do a little bit of stuff with the suspension. You know, it feels like it needs some, some uh, on the front end. I don't want to say stiffer springs. I would say a little more, a uh, little more mid speed damping, but that's getting really picky. And most people would probably never notice that. Um, oh, hold on a second. WTF has a question for me. He says, what type of razor do you recommend for shaving your head? Uh, WTF? Uh, this is not that kind of show, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer answer that question. A sharp one, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's the what's the question? There, I never really say where I'm going, but maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, hi, Jimmy. The designs are great and impressive. I love the Bolt V2 Black. At Wishpond, we help companies increase their online sales. We work with many clients to help them engage with their audience and grow their email list and increase sales. Hey, Mark from from Wishpond, I don't have 15 minutes for call in the next few days for you to explain to me in more detail how can we run similar campaigns for dirt bike tests. 
Uh, and if I owe, if I'm supposed to send you a T-shirt, hey, guess what? Volt B2, whatever you just did, you just you just grabbed like a a thing. <laughs> it's probably auto-generated email. Um, it's sold out, so you can't have it. You, you didn't tell me what size, but it's sold out. You can't have any. Uh, order a T-shirt. That's gonna that's gonna give the janitor something to do in between vacuuming the floors in here. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna respond to your email. Uh, next question. I need a co-host because I really need to have a swig of beer right now. <laughs> so here we go. Mm. <sighs> that was tasty. Um, Jimmy, thanks for addressing my questions. Oh, so this is um, this is Todd from last week. Uh, he said... I agree that the issue could be fuel-related except for one observation. So um, uh, Todd uh, was the one that got us starting on the bike towing question last week because he, ta he told us about all the stuff that he carried uh, to address fuel problems, and then he thought he had a fuel problem, and then they towed his bike back in. So I was curious if he carried all that stuff, how come he didn't um, tow it in. But I'll, I'll go back and say his bike, he's going to get back to his question. It runs well when the engine is cool. While we were out riding, I replaced the inline fuel filter and the quick disconnector, and the bike ran well till it heated up again. So he did use his stuff. He didn't explain that in the first email. But then I replaced the spark plug with no improvement. At that point, we were on a good dirt road, and we decided to tow it back to the car. Once in the garage, I pressure-checked the fuel system, and it's in spec within 50 PSI. Note the engine starts fine when it's cold. Since the issue is heat-related, I suspect either some bad gas or the stator is failing. Dirt Bike Test resident chemical engineer Chris, yes, it's Chris Real, mentioned that we might have we might start seeing fuel-related issues in our bikes with our bikes since there is a glut of winter blend gas. It is warm out mid-80s, so perhaps that is it. I will try connecting my ORB2 scanner to the diagnostic port and see if it reports anything useful. I'll report back my finding once I have it sorted out. I wonder what bike he... I forget what bike he had. I didn't know you could put an OBD2 into the into the bike, but uh, uh, good luck with that. Um, usually you can get flash codes off of most of the ECUs. It'll they'll, they'll flash a couple times some number sequences, and then you can go to the manual and figure out what it is. Um, so... The fact that it it's funny, it's really funny you bring this up because Trevor Hunter is having a very, 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 very similar issue with our Yamaha YZ250FX right now to the point where it almost sounds exactly the same. Now, he went out to race a works race on this bike. He, he was doing a race test with it, and he went there, and the bike worked perfect until he got there, and then when he went and raced, it started having some issues. In other words, it ran for a while, and then it would start losing power. This is key when I say this. It starts losing power, and then it would start running really bad. The only thing he changed on that bike was putting a larger gas tank on it. So I always go back to rule number one. What was the last thing you touched? He touched something in the fuel system. So that just gives that just gives it away where because he thought it was electrical, and I, I'm like Trevor, electrical is generally like instant on off. It's like somebody's hitting the kill button. It's like somebody is, you know, pulling a plug and it's on off on off. It it usually doesn't kind of 
get it doesn't lose power. It's more of an on-off sensation most of the time. I mean, yeah, there are ways it can lose power. So, so instantly we go to fuel. So the way you're describing it, if it's on-off, like somebody's flipping a kill switch, electrical, especially when it heats up. My Husaberg, my Husaberg five five seventy that 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 bike that has all that power. When it get it makes it makes a lot of power, so it definitely gets hot. When it started having the um, exciter coil problem, it was like somebody was hitting the kill button. It sometimes it was just little pops. It was running. It was just like little tiny pops, and and that seemed like a little bit of loss of power. But as it got worse, it was like somebody would hold the kill button for half a second, a second, and that was bad. And and then the bike, the hotter it got, the more it happened. You let it cool down and run just fine. So. And it took a long time for it to actually get what I would call catastrophic, but it always made it back to the truck. So if you have fuel pressure, sometimes when it's cold, like if your fuel filters are plugging, sometimes the suction, it requires that suction to kind of finally really plug it up. And then when that suction goes away, some of that debris can fall away from the filter and allow it to flow again until it starts plugging again. Um that could be one thing. The fuel that Chris talked about, the boiling fuel, it's pretty easy to see uh, most of the time. And you can hear it too. Yeah, it does It does make noise. I've actually had it to where you can't hear it. And a lot of times when your cap's on, you know, your, your cap is on, and, and especially on some emissions compliance bikes, there's not they don't breathe very well. So you open the cap up, then it starts boiling. You know, you release the pressure. Yeah, so... so so it could be it could be the fuel, but I'd I'd love to have you uh, get back to me on that. Um, and uh, we, uh, uh, Todd, thanks a lot for uh, bringing that question back up. We also uh, you you made an interesting thing. We used your symbols T and then a and then a, a alge- algebraic acronym. You had the uh, uh, T uh, hyphen, no, no, T asterisk, T asterisk, T asterisk, T asterisk equals T and the little up symbol and four. It's some sort of, a. uh, he asks if, uh, Logan has taken algebra. Well, Logan's not here to ask because, um, Logan probably got lost, uh, on the way here, or maybe he's just lost in life. Uh, same thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't remember any of that stuff from school. Are you, are you a school teacher? <laughs> so, um, Okay, hey, thanks for that. We uh, made a joke with your uh, with your T four, and actually, it confused more people than just me. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, Karen Head says, "Any chance on getting a hold of a twenty twenty AJP PR seven and really testing it off road?" Thanks. Yeah, there's all kinds of chance of doing that, but probably not really. <laughs> I wrote I wrote some uh I wrote AJPs a couple years ago. I their importer was at an event I was at and I rode some of the bikes and and then then I rode a customer's bike, actually uh a PR7 I rode and it's like I don't have enough time and budget and staff and it's hard to keep the carpets clean when there's a lot of motorcycles to ride uh so that one. I'm gonna start scrolling through the uh, scrolling through the questions here. Um, 75 horsepower. <laughs> Somebody's asking about. I thought it was 70 horsepower. Uh, by the way, going back to the bar height subject, 
Cody asks, do you prefer the sub mount over the bar mount for the Scott stabilizer? KTM stock bars feel a little low to me when standing. So Cody, um, it all depends on the height you need. Uh, I, I like the the uh, compactness when it works of the underbar, the sub mount, but um, and it depends. I run flex bars, so I have to get a different um, uh, crossbar when I run the uh, top bar mount. So it just really depends on your setup. I think you know as long as the steering stabilizer is on there, you're you're good. It's just a matter of fitting it all into uh, what you're going to do and all the other stuff you're going to attach to the handlebars in that area. A lot of times. You know, with you know the, the the bars change, and then you're you know I've seen guys run uh, bar heights up tall enough to where you know they have to get different brake cables and things. So um, it's just all how it works for your uh, for your setup. Let's see. Next is um, a more heat related seventy five horsepower uh, bikes. I don't know that I. Was was Todd the one that was wanting seventy horsepower? I'm not sure. I don't think it was. I think Todd was the. He just had a fuel delivery, a fuel delivery issues. Um, let's see. Uh, Cameron Cotney wants to know: Is the mapping different on the T7 in a way that we got a bit more horsepower over here in the states? So, is the T7 motor zippy enough to easily pull second or third gear wheelie on the street? Thanks. If it can do that, I'll be happy with the horsepower um t7 is the yamaha tenere 700 and it is the same motor that's in the it's in the yamaha naked uh bike and i didn't try to pull a second or third gear willy on the street but i did do it on the dirt quite a bit but it wasn't by just doing a roll on so that's why I need to get the bike <laughs> more. I, I did. I did plenty of wheelies for photos, and it had. I had no problem bringing that front end up. Uh, and I don't remember what gear it was in because it was in the right gear. It was in absolutely the right gear to make the wheel come up when I wanted it to. So it'll it'll bring the wheel up. Um, isn't it illegal to pull a second or third gear wheelie on the street? Yeah, yeah. It's why I did it off road, by the way, Cameron. <laughs> hey, thanks for. Uh, Thanks for uh, asking that question. One cool thing I heard in a video, Eric Hall says, was some 450s are 2,000 more and they can't go on the freeway. Um, I think you can take a 450 on the freeway. I ride my 500 on the freeway. I ride my 350 on the freeway. I don't like to, but they can go on the freeway. <laughs> um so Eric Hall runs a site called uh, XLADV, so he's biased, right? Is he picking on the small single-cylinder bikes, I'm thinking? XL80? Uh, I rode a YSR50 on the freeway once, Yamaha. Remember those little two-stroke yeah. things? Yeah. I made a pipe for it. It went over 70 miles an hour, and then it seized on the, <laughs> on the 118 freeway in uh, someplace in Granada Hills or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was singing. Uh, it air cooled, air cooled, fifty cc two stroke going seventy miles an hour is a big problem. Um, let's see. Eric Hall saw another mags video. Oh, so that's where you got that information. The T seven hundred. It wasn't that impressed with their depth of coverage. <laughs> what did you expect? Which one was it? Let's 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 name some names around here. <laughs> it's probably from a former publishing company company I used to work for. Because yeah, 
Yeah, looking forward to yours. It's easy. Mine's available right now on the internet. It's for free. And trust me, you're going to get what you pay for, especially with the sound quality, which we are working on, by the way. But all you guys, all you sound quality Nazis uh, that are that are trying to get all over me, the ones you're comparing it to are street bike guys that are wearing very enclosed helmets. And I'm wearing a more adventure and or dirt bike helmet that has a lot more wind coming in. Hence our noise. Yeah, I, I have... I. That little fuzzy thing I have on the mic inside of my helmet is so bad it goes inside of my mouth. So, so just give me a break. Uh, <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to work on it. Uh, Google, Google Limp needs some Cialis, is what Victor says. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, Mark, for uh, uh, putting that view up. Where's Where's George? Actually, you know where George is. We even lost George. He's, he's he's here. He's in the he's in the he, post. He's oh, he's doing that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George is into Vespas, which um, we won't. Yeah, I mean, George is riding a Vespa on there. Why does he need a T seven or a KTM seven ninety? George, you should have just left at my house if you're going to ride all the way up to Seattle on that Vespa. Yeah, you should have. Uh, no, those they they actually go down the road just fine, like like those scooters. What, what size are they now? One fifty, the one fifty four stroke. It they they're fine. It, if you just go slow, you don't get any tickets. No second and third gear wheelies on the street. You just have to you just have to be able to confident. You have to be confident in yourself in order to ride a Vespa on the street, and you know you know like that. I, George has a video someplace where he blows a Harley guy off out of the line, on on and and it's not it. I don't think the Harley guy liked it and. It wasn't all he did was all he did was do what I told him to just roll the throttle on. Yeah, it has it has a CVT transmission and there's nothing to it. Where the Harley guy actually had to operate the clutch. He probably misshifted halfway through the intersection, bounced off the rev limiter at 4,500 RPM. Oh, sorry, Janie, I'm beating on Harleys right now. Open exhaust. Open exhaust. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, Bob, there's finally a blue adventure bike for you. So now you can get all Yamaha happy on the adventure scene. But they had they had the Super Tenere for a long time, the 1200. It was that that one always to me was way more street biased, you know, like a lot of adventure bikes are. It just had and, it, and for that it was a good bike. It had a crazy good motor in it. I remember that. Well, Yamaha's always had good motors, and now Yamaha has really good suspension. So uh people want me to compare the um Tenere to the 790 right away. Uh, well, uh, yeah, but I have to put more time on it so I really know. And I don't have a 790. I have to steal George's. So um, since KTM sponsors me, you think they'd really want me to have a 790? You think on this show? But I don't have one. I don't have. I don't have. I don't have any KTM bikes that aren't personally owned by me currently. Oh wait, no, I have the 390. The 390 is in the garage. And speaking of the KTM 390, which we get a lot of questions about, if you can make me foot pegs for the 390 that are level, I need those. I I was trying to I was trying to reach out. There was a one company that was going to work on doing it, and, and that went nowhere. And I also am looking to get wheels, some spoked wheels for that. Um, wire spoked wheels, not spoked mag wheels, but wire spoked wheels for it. Those are the two things that I would like to do um, immediately. And then uh, if anybody has any connections on uh, getting a little more horsepower out of that motor, 
I'm sure people would like to enjoy that as well. And Janie has a question. Kiriakin. Yeah. An adjustable foot bag. Does it does it adjust rotate? Yes. Oh really? Yes. That's why I didn't pursue oh. that idea. Yeah. Well, you should pursue that and then you can take it out and you can become an adventure rider. You're close. <laughs> You're that close. Actually I, I actually I found a, a a friend of mine from Vegas. There's a there's a, a ladies motorcycle riding group in Vegas that she just joined and I was gonna bring that up to you too. So um, okay. I think we're, we're, I thought I had a whole nother page of questions in here, but I think I skipped through them. I think, I don't know where they went. We're running out of questions. The room, does the room have any more questions? I was going to hit the, uh, seven, the, uh, the, uh, T7, DBT 790 review is on point. Uh, it'll be a fine ride. Hey, Dennis, uh, just to let you know, uh, Matt's been riding your 990 a lot, <laughs> just ratting him out, right? He he rides he rides your 990 to come over here and steal uh, dirt bike tests YZ125X and go rip around in the desert. And the kid came over here yesterday and like came back on reserve. He took off, came back on reserve, and luckily he brought his own gas. And then he spent a long time washing the bike, which is that's the way you're supposed to do it. Bring your own gas, wash the bike. He actually rode my personal YZ125 because we went back and forth. Um, we had him go back and forth, and he's working on riding the test. Oh, here, Kosi Joseph. Kosi. Cody Joseph asks, thoughts on the Athena Get ECU versus the JD Tuner for TPI? Uh, well, <laughs> when I rode the Get ECU on the 300 two-stroke we plugged it in i tried to ride away from here three times and i came back and i said really i'm i'm like this is the way it's set up and they're like well maybe it's the wrong map and then we tried something else and then really it is it was it it's supposed to be plug and play and the one i rode absolutely wasn't it didn't work right it was it felt like I had the wrong pilot jet, the wrong needle, and I never even really got it up onto the main jet. But when the times I did, it ripped. But it was, had a hard time even coming up onto the main jet, so I don't have anything uh, good to say about that. And then come to kind of find out later when I asked the, the get people about that, they say, oh, that was supposed to run with their read block with their, where they relocate the injectors and do all this other stuff. Don't know why you'd want to do that, but evidently it's for more power. Um, under the impression that bike has plenty of power stock. So in that question there, I would uh, say uh, the JD Tuner is is better for that application because it's simple, push-button, easy, works just without thinking about it. Um, yeah, that would be my, uh, my guess there. Chris Smith, if the engine from the FZ07 MT07... It's the engine from the MT-07, FZ-07, and a popular street stunt bike should be fine in pulling wheelies, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, what are we looking at here? Uh, question about the 2019 Africa Twin Adventure Sports or 2020. A big difference on price. The 2020 is 
a little different displacement in electronics? Is it worth paying more for a fancy display and a little more horsepower? Victor, I'll be able to tell you that in about two weeks. <laughs> I hope. So, um, that's it. Uh, let's see. Blair Ashworth says, Do the handlebars feel much vibration on the Yamaha Tenere 700? I hear it is smooth. As I get older, my hands are more sensitive to vibration on longer rides. So looking at the T7 or the CR450L, make it into light adventure bike with a windscreen. I've heard the KTM 790R is still a little bit vibey, but not too bad overall. Seems like the T7 already comes with everything I think I need, so leaning towards that because I think... I can handle the road better than the 450L and still do lots of good trails and fire roads, but nothing too gnarly. Okay, Blair, you do not use the Tenere 700 and the CR450L in the same sentence or category. They are two absolutely 100% different kinds of bikes. One is a dual sport bike and one is an adventure bike. And so when you start asking, like people will say, how would you compare those two bikes? I wouldn't. Um, I would I would be more apt if you were going on displacement. I'd be more apt to compare the Tenere to like a KTM three ninety than um, than a, a you know a dual sport type bike because uh, they're it's just the adventure bike category is different. They're heavier. The suspension is designed to do something different. Um, they are just different vehicles. So don't compare those two. Although if you're looking for a kind of dual sport bike you know a, a bike that's based off a competition bike that's street legal that's going to be the one with the least amount of vibration so you're good there if that's if that's what your concern is i can't say exact c7 back to back with ktm 790 um but i'm going to guess that i'm going to guess that the the tenere has a little bit less vibration just based on what i what i kind of remember and it's mostly because it seems like it's running at a lower RPM for the same speed, you know, the same usage. It seems like that motor works a little bit more off torque where the KTM works a little bit more off RPM. So so at, at some point you can get a little bit of buzz in the levers, but it's up in five, six, seven thousand 7,000 RPMs on the Tenere from when I remember yesterday or day before yesterday when I was riding it. So you it's it's but having your wheels out of balance or riding on a more knobby tire would pr provide more vibration than the engine is going to produce so i don't i wouldn't be too stressed out on the on the vibration um and there's lots of stuff that you can uh you can do on that um and craig alberts is telling me hit the t7 video page for questions are there a lot of questions there <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to run a show and drink a beer. Here, hold on a second while I drink one of these things really quick. Uh, David Potts says, hold on, I'm thirsty. This is why you need a co-host. Do you have any recommendations for wheel balancing weights? I found some brass ones on Amazon that slide over the spoke nipples, and they seem to be okay, but I keep thinking there must be something better. Um, I've seen those too, uh, but on for... Off, you know, for off-road, for more aggressive stuff, I've found that even if you do really crimp them onto the to the nipples and stuff, they will come loose. And uh, you know, the inertia would generally keep them up there. But boy, when they don't come up there, uh, they start 
making funny noises and stuff. Uh, I just use the old stick-on lead lead weights, and in fact, most of the time, I don't really uh, balance my wheels that often because it seems like a few skids into a, a good ride or a couple nice burnouts, and then my all my wheel balancing is for naught. Um, so starting out, uh, and if you and if you have rim locks, uh, I would generally, if I have a rim lock, I will generally balance the rim and against the rim locks. And then leave the leave it that way, and then just keep putting tires on. So, um, George says uh, he's uh, using the brass ones too. And I, people say I have some brass ones. <laughs> I, I, oh, they're not. That's not wheel weights when they say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Could the T7 be turned into a large dual sport rig? Dennis, did you just cross the border? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because I when I was, you see all those videos that that you see the videos where I'm riding and talking, and and I do a lot of talking when I'm riding into that microphone, and you only get to see a portion of it. But one of the things I actually, one of the bikes I actually compared that bike to was the Kawasaki KLR650. And the reason was because the KLR650 is gone. And it was kind of like that, that it was the, the, the inexpensive, uh, kind of just easy to use, you know, dual sport bike that just has a huge following. And I'm like, I'm, I'm still wondering what's going to replace that. What is the bike that's going to replace that? And since Yamaha's kind of got on this little simplicity kick with this, and there was not a lot of electronics, I mean, mind you, there's still electronics on there, about as much as any other bike, but there's just not a lot of buttons where you can adjust them. So in, in, in that sense, there's less wires. There's there's cables going to the butterfly valves on the carburetor. So it's, in that essence, a little bit more simplistic. I'm thinking, this bike could actually be a KLR650. Because a KLR650 is so not a dual sport bike, even though it is a dual sport bike, it's kind of it's one that would kind of cross lines. Like I, I guarantee you, more people ride those on the street than they do ride off road. So I think the 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 Tenere could actually be kind of that that kind of a bike where it's 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 kind of on the lower on the price side. I mean, it's still ten grand, but it's lower on the price side in its market. It's a 700, which is really close to 650. It's only 50 cc's. It does have an extra cylinder and stuff. Yamaha has, in in my experience, has always been excellent on durability. And I know this back from when I had a TT 600 that I put, I don't know how many miles on, but a lot of them. Um, and we're talking, you know, 70, 80,000 miles on that bike. And I never had to do anything to it. All we did was run it, run it, run it. And the same thing happens with most of the uh, competition bikes and stuff. So um, I think as easy as anything else, it could be turned into a large dual sport rig. Uh, just like a KTM 790 could be turned into a large dual sport rig. Um, I think it's they're all kind of... Uh, they're they, At that point, you're asking you to do something that's really not super designed for, but... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's still 450 pounds. And I don't want to dual sport in something that's 450 pounds. Uh, I want to adventure ride. 
Let's see. The brass weights have set screws, so they stay on. Okay, the ones that I had, George, uh, you crimped onto the, uh, you smashed them onto the spoke, so those are, those are different ones. Uh, Cody Joseph, thanks for the good info. JD Tuner is much cheaper, too. The traction control just sounds interesting on the get, but I'll just keep working on my clutch control for that. Speaking of that, <laughs> the electronic traction control, because this is something I've had an issue with on some of those as well. Uh, after a half throttle, well, it depends on, it depends, it, it's, it's an adjustable thing, but all of the get ECUs that I've ridden, the traction control stops after 50% throttle. And sometimes I want to go, if I'm going to trust traction control, I want it to be up at 60 and 70, 80% throttle too. I want it to be on or off. I don't want the bike to decide when I turn my wrist too far and say, okay, now I'm going to give you all the beans. Um, so that can be an issue, but the get is super tunable. I'd love to be able to tune it and learn what I can do with it. It's just complex and time consuming and all kinds of stuff like that. And Mark Daniel say, says the Yamaha valves last forever. Well, that's a false statement. Nothing lasts forever, especially my beers when I'm on the show, which running on low tide. No, I, I, I don't have time to drink them. I got to keep talking or this the dead air is not. This this does not make good for good radio. Hmm. So with that, I think we're gonna uh, wrap up. Unless uh, somebody wants to spit out the last minute uh, question, fifty three people. Wow, we're doing pretty good here. That's not bad for a Tuesday night. Thank you everybody for uh, joining. Thank you Victor for sponsoring tacos. Um, Let's see. I started with being the KTM uh, rally being canceled. I got an email that Rottweiler may still be going in hopes that people who had planned to go would still show up in McCall and Idaho on the dates and ride. Um, yeah, I did, don't know about that. I haven't I haven't seen that press release yet. So um, I don't know what uh, I'm going to be doing. All my events this summer are canceled, so... Maybe I'm just going to buy a boat. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going riding. I'm gonna, I, evidently, I'm going to be in Wyoming or something like that. So with that, everybody, hey, thanks for, um, thanks for joining in. Thanks for uh, helping with the conversation. Again, always check out our site, www.dirtbiketest.com. Uh, share that. We need to uh, grow our numbers so we can get some advertising and then I can actually um, hire a janitor and then I can actually write more stories or I could stand around and whip Trevor into writing more stories. Um, that's, uh, that's the stuff that's going on. Oh, wait, I got one question. Setting the sag on a YZ85 for my son, do I start with 100 millimeters or like a full-size bike uh i don't know uh eric um i'd have to refer to the manual on that one but i suspect it's a little bit less i'm just guessing that it's that it's a little bit less so um and uh yeah craig i know where randall washington is i'm actually trying to open up a riding school up there with paul neff uh so what when is your riding school back open? My riding school will open up at least down here in October because uh, it's too hot to do any sort of training uh, down here at the moment. Uh, learning stops at about 90 degrees. So thanks to KTM, powered by a distinct ready-to-race mentality, KTM is the world's leading high-performance 
street and off-road motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world, and the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes. And I can say Murrieta better than Logan, and he's going to have to come in here and prove that to me. So with that, guys, we are going to say... uh, and Logan actually just replied on the post. <laughs> yeah, Logan, uh, we think it's an 85. <laughs> what? Okay. Everybody, thanks for joining in. Cheers. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. Who are we? We make and sell the ultimate products to perfect out your Austrian dual sport motorcycle, um, a KTM EXC, EXCF, XCFW, Husqvarna FE, and FES. And soon we'll be developing uh, some, some products and components for the Honda CRF 450L, RL, and X bikes. Uh, we build out bikes for our clients and friends from Sunday Trail Specials all the way up to fully equipped global slayers like what RTW Paul is riding on as he uh, travels around the world on an EXC 500. In late 21, we'll be rolling out a full-service suspension shop as well as a motor program, full rebuilds, blueprinting, balancing, getting rid of the motor buzz and the big board KTM thumpers, top-end valve grindings, uh, the works. Uh, We want to extend, ultimately, what we're after is to extend your ride day uh, and your endurance and your stamina and be able to keep you on the bike for more riding years. We've got a bunch of 70-year-old riders out there who, with our help, Hopefully, we'll be riding well into their 90s. Taco Motico, find us on the, on the out on all the socials. Uh, go out and get some adventure.